Hello, and welcome back to the Sidekick Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Crosby, and I am delighted to be here with you today for another episode of this film and entertainment industry podcast. Please make sure you go follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Sidekick Critic. And for full episodes of the Sidekick Critic podcast, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and Spotify. On YouTube, you can watch the full episode if you prefer, or you could just listen through Spotify and download it and listen to it on the go. I'm very excited for this episode today. Uh, Previously, my last two episodes, I've spent a decent amount of time talking about the Oscars. Well, we're back to talking about some specific movies today, and I'm really excited for it. I've seen three movies in the past week that I want to talk about with you, and I'm just going to dive right into it. The first movie I'm going to talk about is one I did mention multiple times during my Oscars episodes. The winner for the Academy Award of Best Animated Feature Film, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So without further ado, I'm going to dive right into my one-minute review for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This movie blew me away, honestly. I think it's fully deserving of its Academy Award. There's no question about that in my mind having watched it. It rivals some of the best parts of some of my favorite animated films that I've seen. The stop-motion animation is truly gorgeous. And just thinking about all the time and effort and work that went into this movie, I can understand how it's an Academy Award winner. Overall, I'm going to rate it an 8.4 out of 10, which for on the list of movies I've watched this year, that's I believe would be in the top five for my movies this year, but technically it was released last year. The movie's on Netflix, and I highly recommend everyone go watch it. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I cannot recommend it enough. I've been telling everyone for about a week now to go watch it. Once again, 8.4 out of 10 for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So let's dive into this movie a little bit. I mentioned that there are some aspects of it that rival some of the best parts of other animated films. One in particular that really came to mind for me was that of the movie Up. People always talk about the beginning of Up, the opening scene of Carl and his wife and their life together and her passing away and how it makes them cry. And I think Pinocchio captures that same emotion and makes you feel the same way. It's The movie starts with a take on Geppetto and his life. Pinocchio's father and the toy maker that I have not seen before and I thought it was done brilliantly I cannot say enough good things I teared up a little bit at the beginning of the movie because it's just that emotional and I think that's one thing that's really exciting about this version of Pinocchio is that Guillermo del Toro takes what's a classic story and timeless and puts his own spin on it and interprets things in his own way and tells the same story, but as a new version. And the ability to do that, not only do it well, but to create a successful story that's now probably my favorite iteration of the Pinocchio story, is truly impressive. And speaking of impressive, I can't help but mention the animation. It's a stop-motion animation film, so if you don't know what that means, that means it's figurines, clay, whatever it may be, but they're very slightly moved for each scene and a picture is taken and it's thousands upon tens of thousands of images spliced together to create a film. And the amount of man hours it takes to put that together, the direction, it's 
it's a masterpiece of art. It really is to be able to create a movie that is this good in that format. And it's not just the characters, but their facial expressions, being able to see the slight changes in their facial expressions and even the setting and the production behind the characters. It's truly gorgeous. Set in the Italian mountains in fascist Italy, they they craft a magnificent story of this little boy who just wanted to live. And I, I loved every single variation from the story that I knew and loved. I was always a big Pinocchio fan. So being able to watch this new version of it, expecting the same story, expecting I wouldn't be paying, giving it my full attention, I was immediately wrapped in the story. I thought it was incredible. And there's also the musical numbers, which are fantastic. It's The opening scene has a musical number that leads into that sadness and that emotional launch of the film where you're like, wow, this is almost darker than I expected it to be. But then once you get to Pinocchio and his first song, it's it's like one of those moments where you might start crying from something sad, but then you get really happy and you're happy crying and laughing at the same time. It's such a beautiful song. I remember while watching the movie, I was like, wow, this has really swung my emotions from one end of the spectrum completely to the other side. And it's... I mean, I I think this is one of my favorite animated films of all time now. There's no question. I am hesitant to say I liked it better than Marcel because I watched Marcel so long ago and I loved it so much. But it's I I have no qualms with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio winning the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film. I really wish I had watched it sooner. And I think all of you should watch it. Like I said, the movie's on Netflix. Probably the most popular streamer somehow, despite them losing countless titles over the last few years. Everyone still has a Netflix account or has access to one. And it's the movie's about two hours long. It's worth sitting down at home and watching for two hours. I enjoyed the entirety of the two hours. I don't think I looked at my phone while the movie was playing at all, which is about the highest compliment I can give for a movie that I'm watching at home. And... The quality of it is so good. It's really it made me look more into Guillermo del Toro, Torio like Pinocchio. It made me look more into Guillermo del Toro and what other movies he's done. And I realized I did recognize the name of one of them, uh, The Shape of Water. In 2018, that actually won the Academy Award for achievement in directing and best picture. That movie has skyrocketed up my watch list now. Um, if Guillermo del Toro can make me feel this about a little boy, Pinocchio, what could he do with a full feature film with actors? I'm very excited. I remember hearing great things about the movie, that it was a little strange, but it was very emotional. That's very high on my watch list now, and I'm very excited to watch it. Like I said, 8.4 out of 10 on this version of Pinocchio. I cannot say enough good things about it, and I'm ecstatic that I got to start this podcast episode immediately following my Oscars episodes talking about it. It's after the Oscars, I had said this in my episodes, that was very high on my watch list. And it was the first night I had free after that last episode. I said, you know what? I'm just going to watch it. And I love every second of it. Like I've said multiple times now, please go watch Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Let me know what you think. I personally loved it. I think it's the best iteration of the story. 
Now we're going to go on to a movie I am less excited about. I just saw it this past weekend, a kind of impromptu last minute showing of 65, the sci-fi dinosaur thriller starring Adam Driver. I'm going to go right in once again, my one minute review for 65. This movie was a letdown for me. The most apt way to describe it is really that it was mediocre. Um, The dinosaurs looked great, but the overall plot of the movie I just wasn't very intrigued by. I didn't feel any connection to the characters. I didn't think it... While the dinosaurs looked great, it didn't blow me away in any shape or form. It was just lackluster across the board. It reminded me of another movie I saw years ago that initially I actually really liked when I saw it in theaters. And then I rewatched and I realized... This was not as good as I thought. After Earth, starring Will Smith and Jaden Smith. The movies are genuinely very similar. And they just, they didn't do what I had hoped they would overall. 65 is going to get a 5.4 out of 10 for me. Which would put it in the bottom five of the movies I've seen so far this year. I was really excited for this film. And it let me down. And this may be suffering from the same thing I had mentioned in my Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium review, that I went in with high expectations. Seeing the trailers for this movie, I thought it was going to be much more of a thriller featuring dinosaurs, but there wasn't really much thrill or suspense. There were five or six scenes featuring dinosaurs and his interaction with them, and they just were short and quick and had a lot of strange cutaways. I... There's a lot I wish they could have done better. If you're a fan of dinosaurs, I do think you can go watch this movie, but I even saw someone who was a fan of the dinosaurs and saw it for that aspect saying that they made up dinosaurs for the film. They weren't based in any historic or uh, any historic dinosaur fossils that have been found. They were made up dinosaurs, so... When a large part of your target audience for a movie like this is those who love dinosaurs, why would you not be faithful to actual fossils and what dinosaurs are known to have looked like or believed to have looked like? It's a very interesting decision for me. Um, I do think Adam Driver was pretty good in the movie. I actually really liked him. I thought he put a lot of that movie on his back. But the character arc that was given to him was very lame. This movie felt a lot like a sci-fi channel TV movie in that you could throw it on, you'll look for five minutes when there's a scene with the dinosaur, and then you won't look again for the next 30 minutes. And it tried building up this relationship between him and the other survivor that he was trying to rescue, and it just... It wasn't good. There was a language barrier between them that felt almost forced and unnecessary, and stunted any growth between them and was very cliche. If you want to watch a good dinosaur movie, go watch the original Jurassic Park. It's better. Yeah, you don't have the incredible visual effects that this movie does have. And in some ways, some of those, the uh, landscape shots of what was Earth like 65 million years ago was interesting to see and their concept behind it was pretty neat. But Overall, it was just a letdown, and I think the box office is going to reflect that. It's done $38 million so far at the box office in what I believe has been two weeks. That's $22 million domestically, $16 million internationally, and I don't think this movie is going to have good likes. 
Over the course of the next three weeks, there's a lot of movies coming out that I think are going to do very well at the box office. On top of com- competing with movies that will have longer legs like Shazam and Ant-Man and Creed 3, I just don't see this movie being a success long term, which is unfortunate because I do like Adam Driver in this action role. I think he is well built and well suited to be an action star, and I'd like to see him in more films like that, but I'd like to see more of a character for him behind it. It's really the plot of this film was not what I was hoping it would be. Once again, my high expectations going into a film let me down quite a bit, which is something I might have to temper. But yeah, 5.4 out of 10, 65. I would say unless you have an obsession with dinosaurs or are a paleontologist, you can wait to watch this at home. It's probably going to be out either on HBO or available to rent for five bucks in the next month and a half to three months. It's not worth paying 20 bucks or more at a theater to see, in my opinion. It's unfortunate when I don't like a movie. It really is, because I go into every movie wanting to love them and wanting to talk about them here on this podcast. And to not love it, I feel obligated to share with the listeners that I saw this movie and that I have thoughts on it, but it's just a bummer to talk about a movie that I didn't love. And... 65 is one of those. I just didn't love it. Just something about it didn't connect with me. And while that's going to happen occasionally, it always is a little bit of a letdown. At the very least, I have A-list, so I don't pay any extra to see a movie like this. I've already seen three movies this month, I think, so it's paid itself back fully, and I plan on seeing two to three more before the end of the month. So getting my money's worth, it's okay for every movie to be a little bit of a of a loss essentially it's not a loss in actuality but in my mind it's kind of seen as a loss more of time than money um but that's enough about a movie i wasn't really excited about we're gonna go on now to a movie that did excite me and a topic i've actually have not talked about i'm excited the the most recent release from dc comics and warner brothers pictures which is shazam the fury of the gods The first Shazam movie thoroughly surprised me and I loved it. I thought it was really cute and it was very funny and it was everything I was hoping for in a small character I'd never heard about from a DC comic I'd never read and it very much exceeded my expectations. As a Marvel fanboy myself, I usually go into DC movies with a lot lower expectations, almost skeptical and pessimistic at times. And having seen the trailer for this movie countless times, I had rock bottom expectations, honestly. I thought it was going to be dumb. I didn't think it'd be funny. I thought I would not enjoy it. I think I forgot how much I enjoyed the first Shazam. Because this movie was great. Before I go too far in, I almost forgot. I have to do my one minute review for Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Was Shazam too corny? Yes. Was it ridiculous? Yes. Was it fun? Absolutely. I had so much fun in this movie. I was cracking up in the theater. I actually bent over a couple times because I was laughing so hard. Everyone in the theater was laughing. It had a number of emotional beats to it that very much surprised me and I was not ready or expecting. And 
it's a shame that this movie is kind of getting bashed. Not only financially, but also critically, because I think no one's going into this movie expecting it to blow you away and be the most amazing movie of all time. You go into this movie expecting to have fun, and I think it's hard to sit there and watch this whole movie and not just have fun. I challenge all of you to do that. If you wanted to see a movie, go see Shazam, and I promise you will have a fun time. Almost whether you've seen the first one or not. Overall, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. Not the best movie I've seen this year by any means, but it's far better than a lot of the others I have. And I had a lot of fun in the theater, and that's all I really can ever ask for out of a movie. Okay, so as I had mentioned, this movie's kind of getting bashed. And just looking at the opening weekend box office and how the numbers tell the story for this film, it's done $30 million domestically at the box office compared to the first Shazam movie a few years ago did $53 million in its domestic opening. Now that's quite a drop, especially in a sequel where usually you see a sequel get a little bit more that opening weekend. This movie dropped off heavily. And I think that's for a number of reasons. One, I don't think the trailer was good. From the trailer, I disliked it. I actually debated not seeing it until I realized I had nothing to do one night and my friend Danny was going to the film and I said, you know what? Doesn't cost me any extra. I'll tag along. And I did and I'm so happy I did because like I said, like I've said multiple times now, I had a blast in the movie. So that trailer is really holding people back. And then as I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, but you also have the uncertainty of the DC universe and its films that is really going to drag this movie down quite a bit. I also think this movie is coming at a rough time for superhero movies in that there is some superhero fatigue. There's been a ton of these movies lately, and it looks like it's going to slow down in the coming years. At a minimum for Marvel, I think DC will start to slow their slate down a little bit too, which I think will only be good for superhero movies, comic book movies at a minimum, but I think it could end up being good for cinema as a whole, as more time between them means people will go see other movies if they're trying to go to the movies. As for the critical... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The negative critical response this film is getting... I just disagree with it. I I didn't go into this movie expecting it to tie into this massive, huge story. I didn't go into this movie expecting it to be a work of art. I went into this movie wanting to have fun, and like I've said, I did have fun. I don't care that it's corny and ridiculous. I don't care that some stuff is over the top. There were some jokes in this movie that had me genuinely cracking up, and that's what I want out of a Shazam movie especially. The movie is targeted more towards family and kids. Why are critics acting like it's not Avengers Endgame or Spider-Man No Way Home? It's just a fun superhero movie that you can turn your brain off for and enjoy. And it really makes me question what's next for Zachary Levi as Shazam. Is he coming back? And that's where I'm going to kind of transition here into a new topic I want to talk about that I've really been thinking about since this movie came out is... What's next, not only for Shazam, but also for the DC Universe. So for those that don't know, the DC Universe and Warner Brothers appointed a new head recently in James Gunn and Peter Safran. James Gunn is famously known for doing the Guardians of the Galaxy films, writing, directing, producing those, as well as doing a few projects for DC when he had a gap after some uh, drama between him and Disney, 
that was the Suicide Squad, the reboot of it, the second one that came out a few years ago, and Peacemaker, the HBO show with John Cena as well. I've loved everything James Gunn has touched. Peacemaker, the Suicide Squad, all the Guardians of the Galaxy films. I'm stoked for the third one this year. So I have very high hopes for what he's going to bring to the DC Universe as a whole. There are some concerns, though. That it's already been confirmed that Henry Cavill, Dwayne Johnson, and Ben Affleck are not reprising their roles. I think Ben Affleck is slated to appear in two more movies that have already filmed and are coming out this year. But outside of that, the three of them, Batman, Superman, Black Adam, are their actors are out of the DC Universe which is going to make for an interesting kind of transition as, once again, people need to learn these new actors playing these characters that they know and love. And it sounds like what James Gunn is going to do is try to take the DC Universe into a different direction, change it up, not give us the stories we've seen countless times at this point, the Batmans, the Wonder Womans, the Supermans, give us some new characters, switch things up a bit. And if you want some of those classic pieces, they're creating this new thing that's it's split. They've split the DC Universe basically into what is the DC Universe where you have all these movies that are connected and are building to a bigger plot. And you have DC Elseworlds, which is going to be the movies like The Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix film, and The Batman, the Matt Reeves film starring Robert Pattinson. They're situated in their own little universe rather than within the DC universe. So, and I think it was one of the best aspects of those films is they're not trying to tie into anything. They're not worried about how does this movie fit into a much bigger picture. Instead, they just said, okay, we have a story we want to tell. We want to tell it really well. And that's what they focused on. And it's why those were two, I think Batman was just outside my top 10 last year and Joker was one of my favorite movies in the last few years because they're just quality movies. And that's what DC really needs to focus on. And sometimes to do that, you have to focus, you have to go smaller. Don't give us the Justice League two movies into your new universe. Save the Justice League for six, seven, eight years down the road when it can feel earned and when people are excited because all of this story is coming together rather than forcing this group of characters on you that you don't really care about. And to go with, they've split the DC Elseworlds, they have the DC Universe, and they're getting rid of a bunch of actors. They're also, they James Gunn has talked about how they're kind of using their next release, The Flash, in June of this year, to almost reset the universe in-universe. There was a lot of talk when James Gunn was appointed of, at least amongst fans, of how are they going to handle this? Are they going to do a hard reset where they just say, okay, everything you've seen does not matter? Or are they going to do an in-universe explanation where things are re- kind of soft reset and you learn why things are going to be different within the movies? And it sounds like they're going to do the soft reset where this Flash movie is going to change the DC universe and kind of set things up going forward rather than trying to tie everything else in together. And I don't know if you've seen a trailer for this movie. I have. It looks absolutely absurd. And I'm really excited about that. Sometimes comic book movies need to be absurd. Not everything needs to be a Black Panther where it's up for Academy Award nominations and it's 
telling this heartbreaking story about grief and family and exploring what those themes mean, The Flash looks like it's going to be a movie pulled straight out of a comic book where you're flipping your head around left and right. You're barely able to keep up pace. You're going to have to rewatch it because you miss one line and you're like, what just happened? And I think I have no idea what to expect, whether it's going to be good or bad. Uh, I, as I was in the uh, showtime for Shazam last week with my friend Danny, we saw the Flash trailer again, and I leaned to him and I said, I'm positive this movie's either going to be really good or it's going to be absolutely terrible. I'm very excited for it to come out in June. Uh, don't know what it means for Ezra Miller regarding this whole DC Universe shakeup, and he's had his own personal issues that have been all over the news lately. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but I think a shakeup for DC is well needed, and it's very exciting to see what they do and how they go about it. And the other thing James Gunn is, has said he wants to do is he's going to focus on some different stories within the DC universe. And included in that, this August, a movie called Blue Beetle is supposed to come out, starring Zolo Maradueña. He was in Cobra Kai, which I have not seen, but I've heard amazing things about. I have no idea who Blue Beetle is as a character. I have no idea what to expect out of this movie, but I'm excited to learn about a new character and to see something different that's not Batman or Superman or Aquaman. It's, I believe it's one of the pivotal aspects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's early success is that they didn't launch with their biggest well-known characters because they didn't have the rights to. The first Marvel movies weren't Spider-Man, Wolverine, Hulk, Professor X, Beast, Cyclops, all those most well-known characters. You had Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Loki, then you had the Avengers, and then they brought in even stranger characters like Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man, which really allowed the MCU to build itself, to not say, hey, here are these characters you've seen countless stories of, just our version of it, let's watch this again. No, it said, we're going to introduce you to new characters, we're going to build these characters up, we're going to give them, make them a part of your life so that you feel attached to them, so... 20 movies later, when you get the big payoff in Endgame with Iron Man, you you feel that emotionally. You're s- sad about it, but it's well-earned and well-deserved, and it's fitting. And you're not... You're sad, but happy. Sad to see him go, but happy to have known him. And it's I'm hoping DC goes that route. And it's kind of put them in a weird purgatory. Most of this news came out towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, that things were changing and James Gunn and Peter Safran being appointed while they still had a full slate of three movies to come out this year. I've already mentioned The Flash. Then you have Blue Beetle, which I think actually works well into their new plan more than likely. But then in December this year, you have Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And you have Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, Nicole Kidman, and others all returning to reprise their roles. I'm very curious how that movie fits in. I'm wondering if they've had to do a lot of reshoots for it, if they're shaping their future story to go around Aquaman, or if it's just going to be this movie happens and we're just going to say, yeah, that happened and move on with something new. I don't think you want to get a new Aquaman. I think Jason Momoa is the perfect casting. Yes, Henry Cavill is the perfect Clark Kent Superman casting, but I really think you got to keep Jason Momoa. His career is on a great trajectory. If he's willing to stay, I think you should keep him. But it's, 
I'm excited to see the DC Universe kind of have this soft relaunch and try something new because I think it's well overdue and I'm, I'm very excited for it. Looking at DC Elseworlds, they do have two movies planned, which are two of my most anticipated movies over the next two years. First, in October of next year, you have Joker, Folia Du, the sequel to the, I believe it's the Todd Phillips-directed Joaquin Phoenix Joker film, which I, I've heard reports that the film is going to be a musical and it's going to be starring Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. Whatever they're doing with that movie, I'm excited for it. The first Joker film was weird. They let Joaquin Phoenix run with the role and make it his own. And he really did. He did a great job. Ended up winning Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role for that. Ecstatic for that film. I'm so happy that they've decided to spin these off into DC Elseworlds. Rather than try to fit Joaquin Phoenix's Joker within your story and universe, let him do his own thing, be his own universe, and see where it goes. And as I said earlier, they're doing the same thing with the Batman Part 2. That's slated to come out in October of 2025. And another thing I mentioned earlier, that movie was in close to my top 10 films, if not in it, last year. And that was just a gorgeous film. It was a very different aspect of Batman. It was a younger Batman newer to being the Batman for Bruce Wayne and trying to figure out what that meant for him and how he'd go about that and it's very unique to see that angle of the story because normally you get Batman as he's been Batman for years he's great at this so to get this version of him where it's all new and he's struggling with his own identity was a lot of fun and according to James Gunn the first film that he's writing for the DC Universe and is fully his and he's in charge of come is coming in July 2025 and it's Superman Legacy. As I said, we already know Henry Cavill is out as Superman and apparently it sounds like this is going to take a similar route to the Batman. It's not going to be DC Elseworlds to be in the main universe, but it's going to be following the earlier days of Superman and him dealing with being Superman and learning what that means for him. I'm very excited. Like I said, everything James Gunn has touched has been great. If you haven't watched the second Suicide Squad movie uh, starring John Cena, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, go check it out. That movie was a ton of fun. I didn't watch it for years because I was a DC hater, but I got over it. I watched it. I loved it. And then I watched the Peacemaker show on HBO and it was wild. It was so much fun. Highly recommend if you have HBO, watch Peacemaker. It's unlike anything I've seen comic book superhero related. So definitely check that out. And yeah, I hope you stay tuned into the DC universe like I'm gonna because I think with James James Gunn at the helm, Warner Brothers can trust that DC is in great hands. And while the rest of this year may still be a financial struggle for DC Comics on the film side, I think going forward from there, it's gonna be a huge success. Yeah, that's my little spiel on DC. I don't talk about DC as much, but I've been slowly getting more into it lately. Shazam! Fury of the Gods really has kicked that up for me a notch because I I think they have a lot of potential. I mean, it's some of the most iconic characters, arguably the two most iconic superheroes of all time in Superman and Batman. So it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward and how this shapes the future of the superhero movie industry. I think we're going to be getting a lot less superhero movies in the next five years 
I think DC and Marvel both likely cut back to two movies a year or five every two years. You're not going to be getting three or four movies from each company a year, and I think that's a good thing. I think it'll be good for the revenues on these movies as that fatigue will wear off a bit, and I think there's a chance it's good for cinema as a whole as people are starting to enjoy going to the theaters again. But if they're only going for superhero movies, that hurts the film industry as a whole. So if you have less superhero movies and you get people into theaters for other movies, that's great. And I, I really hope to see more of that going forward and a few less franchises and a few more original or adapted stories that we're not already entangled in and aren't looking for the next piece and the, how it all connects to each other. Yeah, Um this week, I'm really excited. I'm going to be seeing a few movies this week that I'll probably be talking about later. I plan on seeing Inside, the Willem Dafoe movie I've mentioned a couple times. I plan on seeing the new Scream film, possibly John Wick. I watched Don't Look Up the other day, and I'll talk about that in future episodes as it took me years to watch that. And yeah, so I hope you enjoyed these movie re- reviews today. I hope I encourage you to check out Shazam! Fury of the Gods or watch Pinocchio. If you happen to be one of those people that loves dinosaurs, go watch 65 in theaters. Otherwise, I think wait to watch it at home when you're really bored one night. And please make sure you follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Sidekick Critic. Subscribe on YouTube and Spotify so that you can be up to date with full episodes each time they're posted. And thank you for stopping by. 